Welcome back to the Oklahoma Drill. It has been a long time. I think last episode I promised that we wouldn't do this and then we did it. Uh, we just went like six months without recording. It's fine uh, because this is like the most important thing that has happened um, since the last time we recorded. It's like uh, Brent Venables got hired and then uh, the Thunder got the number two pick. So this is the Thunder right. got the number two pick episode, everybody. Yeah, this is the podcast is largely turning into a things are big enough that we just want to talk about it with each other. And instead of us just like calling and having a zoom chat or something about this, we decided to record it where essentially that's, that's essentially what these have turned into. So, yes. Um, um, Cause yeah, I mean, I mean, this is huge. This, this is, is absolutely massive. Yeah. I mean, technically this is the highest traffic the thunder I've ever had. Right. Right. And, and like, the the amount of to which this could have gone poorly it like cannot be overstated that that was a very very real thing Mm -hmm. you know you went through this this season and you know you're watching you get to watch shay and giddy but then you watch the end of the year where they like they can't play anybody that has even any remote nba Mm -hmm. talent because this is they wanted it for tonight you know starting xavier simpson and Georgios Kalatsukas, multiple games, was about tonight. Right, right. They played, you know, they got to where they were playing six guys over 40 minutes, you know, at the end of the season. And it was about tonight. And that could have ended with us getting the 8 and 13 pick. You know, yeah. it legitimately could have. That was a legitimate option. Or 7 and 12. All of these are terrible options, you know. But um, in a lot of ways, in this specific draft – I think two and 12 is kind of like the ideal spot because you don't have the pressure of being the number one pick. Mm-hmm. Um, and you still, I mean, you get the second guy, you know, and I think we'll talk about, you know, I think there's a pretty clear top three um, mm-hmm. in this draft and maybe even a, a top two. I know Woj was talking about how his sense right now is that the consensus around the NBA is that there's a top two, that seems to um, honestly, that seems to be what everybody, what every mock draft I've seen from beat writers yeah. who are important people, like right, it's Chet and Jabari at the top, right? Exactly, yeah, and just you know, being a part of that to where if that's truly the case, and let's just assume for a second that Sam Presti agrees with that, um which I mean, he very well might not, but I don't even, that's, that's a hard thing to even consider, Uh, but that it's, it's kind of like that, that 2007 draft with, with Odin and Durant, where the Thunder fell into a position or the Sonics at the time fell into a position where it was like, Oh, you just take the other guy. You know, it's not hard. Speaking of somebody needs to measure Chet's legs, make sure they're the same length. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. No, no kidding. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's absolutely huge, and to still and to get twelve too, because you know I think that there's there's kind of a tier, you know, in the top three, and there's probably like a four to eight, four to ten tier. It might even go four to twelve, honestly. Four to yeah. twelve seems pretty flat to me, but I do think that there's a there's a drop off after that, you know, and to kind of shouts to the Pelicans, you know, for, for doing just enough to take out the Clippers and move that, that pick up three slots, just yeah. the Thunder didn't have to do anything, you know? Um, so that's, that's a big deal. And um, I think, I think we'll talk here in a bit about what I hope we happens with that 12th pick. Um, 
but let's start with what what the hell is going to happen at two like what do we how do we feel like obviously we're excited but why are we excited ryan well so here's the thing is i think the yumi and sam have talked about this i think we still sort of believe there's a top three and that means that like sam presti is going to have his choice of two of the top three assuming orlando doesn't do something insane right um and i like all of those guys like every one of them i think is tangibly a great fit for the thunder i think they're great fits in this in maybe different ways but each one of them like you can see like oh okay oklahoma city can take this guy and he's the could be the best player on the board and he's a great fit in their situation yeah i 100 percent agree and you know in our group chat message like i know i have changed multiple times throughout this year i started off as a jabari smith guy then i went and i was a, a chat home run get home green guy and then i became a palo guy went back to jabari then back to chet like it's changing frequently for me so it just kind of shows like that there's there's three incredible options options here for the thunder and um who uh who would you who would you prefer like if you know we don't know what the magic are going to do but let's say they take shaden sharp just <laughs> randomly whatever which like and the thunder... I, I know we're joking about that but that could happen um and they might even not be wrong to do it but right we have no idea there, um, he's so yeah he's so we can we can but... enter the shaden sharp zone very quickly because oh, he's yeah. a mystery and i like i kind of believe him but um so i would be so terrified first off if that happened because i like this is the sort of choice that is like i don't know if there's a bad option but there probably is and i can't see what it is um and so choosing one of those three guys is just like a terrifying prospect um i don't even like necessarily envy presti for having to make the choice between two of those guys um that said, um, I'm going to go a little bit against the like accepted NBA grain at the moment and go, I think, with Paolo, um, Paolo Boncaro, mm-hmm. because I think physically he's NBA ready. Um, I believe in his shot creation ability, and I think it's, it's funny because people are going to this i think the general consensus is that like chet is the high ceiling guy in this but i actually think there's a degree to which it's paolo because if paolo hits on everything like what is that player right like if paolo becomes a three-level scorer and like an acceptable defender uh of like an acceptable defender of wings that's a superstar like um with not an incredible amount of comparisons in the NBA, honestly, like LeBron James, (laughs) not that he would be LeBron James. And I'm not saying he would be LeBron James, but like a player with that size, who is like ability to create for himself and others is rare. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. Um, And to me, I think it kind of comes down to what, Okay, so Paolo to me is a guy that if you feel like the Thunder need 
a guy to be the best offensive player on the team still after having, after looking at Shea and Josh Giddy, and you think those guys are good, but we need more punch. Um, then Paolo is probably the right pick uh, because he can fit with those guys. He's going to, I think he's going to shoot. Okay. And you know, the amount of skill and passing in those three guys is, is pretty phenomenally high. Um, where it goes with, as it pertains to Chet and Jabari Smith, I think if you're a true believer in Shea and Giddy, those guys to me are a lot about making life easier on Shea and Giddy. You know, because yeah, the, the things that they the things that they would bring are going to open up the world to a guy like Shea Gilgis Alexander, who has spent the last two years playing in some of the worst spaced offenses you'll ever see. I mean, they've like kind of actively played him with the worst collection of talent that they can come up with just because they were, they're trying to lose games. Um, and if you put a guy like Jafari Smith, who is a six foot 10 wing four that can shoot 40% from three, he's going to open up everything for a guy like Shea. He's going to open up everything. He's going to cover up some of the defensive holes that Josh Giddy has. Um, and if the same thing, I think the same thing kind of, you know, applies to Chet because he's a guy that could shoot 38, 39, 40% from three at the center position who can cover up mistakes that Josh Giddy Shea might make on the perimeter by erasing shots at the rim um, while also not being, you know, completely hopeless in a, like switch setting where he can, he can still guard on the perimeter a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. Um, I actually, I completely agree with that. To me, it's the interesting thing about this draft is like, say the way I've been thinking, it's like, say Orlando takes Jabari um, and the choices between Chet and Paolo. Um, To me, I think the most interesting aspect of the choice is what it says ultimately, like the future of like Giddy is like what his role on the team will be. Because if you go with Chet, you're saying, okay, Josh Giddy is going to have the ball in his hands a lot. And it's going to be about creating and it's going to be about um, creating advantageous situations for Shea to attack. It's going to be about hitting an open Chet Holmgren at the rim or behind the line. Um, Whereas if you choose Paolo, now it's like, Josh Giddy is like a connective piece who like the ball comes to and um, in response to like the attacks of Paolo and Shea on the defense. Right. And then it's about him redirecting the play into something else where, as opposed to being a primary initiator, at least I think this is what I, this is the sort of thing I dream about now in all my dreams because we got the number two pick and it's incredible. Of course, of course. Yeah, and so to me, it comes down to what what you value, and in a lot of ways, I think it comes down to how how you how one might feel about Josh Giddy. Um, I am kind of of the belief that he's going to be a guy that can be a primary creator on a team. Um, which you know, if you think back to the that last is year, such a one eighty from you, not even a year ago from you, right? Um, at in uh, like July 30th of last year, a complete 180 you've made on Josh Giddy. A hundred percent. And I'll admit it. Like I, I was wrong. I I I truly believe it. Like I, if you watch the things that that guy's able to do on a basketball court, 
I mean, he's a top five passer in the league as a rookie. Um, and I think that there's enough, like he's a, he's not a non-shooter. He's a bad shooter, but he's not a non-shooter. Right. And I think guys like that, that are as skilled in other ways, a lot of times they find a way to become acceptable shooters. And I think Josh Giddy as an acceptable shooter is a, is a primary creator option. Um, next to Shea, who I think we all know can be that as well. Um, so in my eyes, I've kind of settled on the other side from, from where Ryan is in that I, I want to make life easier on those two. Um, and the guy that I think at this, you know, it is 8.06 on May 18th, Central day after the lottery. Uh, Central, Central daylight time. time. Central time. Yeah. Yes. Or is it standard? Are we in standard or daylight? We're in daylight. Oh, Central Daylight Time. I have to think about this um, because I live in Arizona. <laughs> right. Um, so those, I, I want to make life easier on those two guys. But the, and the guy I'm leaning to right now is Chet Holmgren. Um, I've gone back this and forth changed. since yesterday. <laughs> this has this literally has changed. changed since we started the podcast. No, 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 no. It's I, I was on Chet at the at the start of the pod. I, I promise. I, I was on Chet. Um, he, to me, he's the guy that, you know, you'll hear a lot of people talk about he has the highest upside. Um, and I think that's probably true. Um, if you consider the defensive upside that he has, which I think he has legitimate all defense upside in that regard. He's just a, he's a staggeringly good rim protector that is not hopeless on the perimeter. Like that's, that's an elite level defensive player possibly he'll have to get stronger i mean if you look at chet it doesn't take a genius to to understand like oh yeah he's gonna have to get bigger um and but my thing with him is that i just kind of think he will you know i think most guys do they get into the nba and they get stronger and bigger it just that's a thing that happens you know yeah and i i again and I cannot stress this enough, even though like currently I lean Paolo, I love the idea of Chet in Oklahoma City. Um, and the thing about Chet that I just keep coming back to, that I, that I would come back to like even back during the college basketball season when we were bouncing back. And at the, I know especially at the start of it, uh, we started the season not sold on Chet, I think at all. Is that fair? Like coming yeah. into coming into this like, draft scouting process we were really really skeptical about chet um but the thing that started winning me over um is just he has been unbelievably efficient on both ends of the floor at every level of basketball he has ever played yeah no that's absolutely right and um he is he's not he's like i i think a lot of people with the thunder they look at chet and they just they think poku no, you know, yeah, that's completely um, wrong. He, they're, they're nothing alike other than they are skinny white boys. Like yeah. that is literally where the comparison ends. Um, because Chet is, he's kind of a motherfucker on the basketball court. Right. You know, Poku is, I think, definitively a soft player. Like he avoids contact. He's not, he doesn't play with any force. But he's skilled, so he's very intriguing. Yeah, Chet's very skilled, but he plays with force. 
Yeah. I mean, that guy will, he will dunk on you and he will try to dunk on you. Um, and that's just not something I've ever seen a guy like Poku do. And I'm not even sure he's capable of it. There was that one time that that one game against the Hornets where he tried to obliterate a guy. It was a charge. Um, mm. um, and then he did throw it down on time board that one time. Uh, I okay. have like an encyclopedia of Poku plays, I guess. Um, yeah. But no, that's absolutely true. And I think like watching Chet has been really instructive about Poku because what you realize is like, okay, these are two similarly shaped guys, but Poku, but Chet is a big, he plays center and Poku doesn't yeah. like Poku is a wing. He is an oversized wing. Um, and Chet is like a skinny center. Like that's the difference. Yeah. Now the Chet is, is much, much closer to Evan Mobley than he is to a guy like Poku. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I mean, Chet and Mobley are not like, like for like players, like they're, they're very different, but there is, there is some similarities. And, you know, I think one of the things that like at this point, I'm just like 90% sure that Chet is going to be Presti's guy. Um, and, and maybe it's, it's not a situation where we ever, we really know that. And I'm sure we won't know until the draft, but I, if I were guessing, Chet's got to be Presti's guy. I think that Woj came out and said that he felt like if the Thunder had the number one pick last year, they would have taken Evan Mobley over Kate Cunningham. Yeah. You know, and to me, the same guy that looks at Evan Mobley as a number one pick, the same guy that looks at Kristaps Porzingis a year before he declares for the draft and promises him, mm-hmm. the same guy that's willing to draft a guy that looks like Poku from like a physical standpoint, that guy's going to, he's going to look at Chet and love him. Yeah. And I, I just think that's where we're going to wind up. Yeah. And then he's going to say, damn it. Why aren't you Victor Wimbanyama? But he'll, he'll take him. Well, just sure. The same. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. He will. That's going to, that's going to be the heartbreaking thing next season is because I, I can't move on to next draft already before this one has even happened, but people are going to like, no, please don't. No, people, people are going to like get into it about Wimbanyama and it's like, you can't tank for one guy. Sorry. Like, and there'll be other good prospects in that draft, but none of them are going to be Victor Wimbanyama and you can't tank for one guy. Yeah. And well, yeah, that's, that's, that's absolutely true. And you can't, and you definitely can't make a pick this year based on on exactly. Exactly. It's just, it's just not a thing that you can do. No. It's, um, it's, it's, it would be completely irresponsible. So right. um, that was a silly diversion, but yeah, no, <laughs> Chet is, I, I, I do think Chet is exactly what Presti is looking for. Now, the thing about that is that last year, <laughs> the Orlando magic drafted um, Chet's high school teammate, uh, yeah, Jalen Suggs. I don't know if there's anything to read into that. Jalen Suggs was not good this year. So yeah. I don't think the Orlando Magic should be beholden to like his preferences. Right. Yeah. If Jalen Suggs has had, had had like the year Franz Wagner had, then maybe you look at Suggs as like a as a big piece and you're like, yeah, we gotta let's let's bring in this guy. But he was bad, honestly, as a rookie. And I don't think that means he's gonna be a bad player in the NBA. I still think he's gonna be pretty good, but he's not a guy that you even consider in this process, you know? And um, so, well, I mean, it'll be interesting to see, like, you have to also consider like 
the Magic have, they have Jonathan Isaac, who I guess they're still going to have on their team for whatever reason. Yeah, um, yeah he's and alive, I guess. He's He exists and he's super into like QAnon stuff at this point, but, um, yeah. you know. This is what Orlando does to him, bro. But, um, I, I guess so, but uh, I don't know. I The consensus for whatever that means right now, the day after the lottery, I've seen many, many, many more mock drafts, mock Jabari Smith to the magic, um, which I think makes complete and total sense. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he fits fantastically with, with what they're, they're building. Um, he fits great with Franz Wagner at the four, those at the three and the four, like that's incredible, you know? Yeah. And um, that leaves, yeah, the thunder where I, I just, I think, I think Presti's going to want Chet. I, cause the, another thing that you have to consider with these guys is, is that Presti is, and has always been about personality. You know, yeah. he is very much a guy that, you know, you get a situation where it's Kevin Durant. I'm not saying Kevin Durant was like a bad personality or whatever, but if it's a guy like Kevin Durant, you're going to draft him no, no matter what, unless he's just like, right. The biggest piece of shit ever, which he is not. Um, but that, that's a really important thing. And I, I think the, the way Chet plays everything that you hear about the way Chet is as a person, like it just screams Sam Presti guy to me, like that dude, like I said, he's, he's kind of a motherfucker. And I know that like, um, you know, Presti's big thing in what, in his late season or his postseason thing was, was physicality. And people thought, oh, well, we can't take Chet if we wanted to be physical. But that's no, just not Chet true. No, Chet is physical. This is the thing people he's don't understand. He's a very physical player. Yeah, he's a very physical player. And I, I think the, the, the team that we have, like Josh Giddey's a great rebounder for his position. And yeah. really, just in general, he's a six foot nine guy. He can rebound. Yeah. Shea's a great rebounder for his position. Dort can rebound. Like, that might be a concern. But those guys can pick up the slack a little bit for, for a guy like Chet if he's struggling with physicality in his early years in the NBA. Like, I, I'm not concerned about that aspect. To me, I just – I look at the idea of we have two guys in Giddy and Shea that I think are good enough to be, you know, primary creators on a team. Maybe not a championship team, but you work with what you have and – Having a center that could shoot 40% from three, like the advantages that's going to create for your spacing is just, you really can't even put place of value on that. It's so high. Yeah. So I don't know if you saw this. Um, J. Kyle Mann wrote a thing about Chet for the Ringer um, that was published yesterday. And there was a comparison that he was terrified to make. And like even speaking out loud feels feels like a jinx. Um, and I don't even know who is being jinxed here. Um, but contained within this piece were the words Pau Gasol. Okay. Um, which would just be, uh, I mean, if that's what Chet ends up being, that's amazing. Yeah. If he's not, then that's also fine. But like. Right. Well, I, I definitely think it would, it would certainly be a, a modern version of Pau Gasol. Because right. Pau Gasol in his day was like a back of the basket post guy that was fantastic. Right. But if Pau Gasol were coming up today, that dude's shooting threes. You know, he ended his career shooting threes, but he kind of, he's coming up today, he's mm-hmm. shooting threes and he's living as like a 
a high post creator, which Chet has every ability to be that. So I don't, I don't hate that. Right. Um, I think that defensively, I mean, again, like I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I was a pal. I I watched Pau Gasol when he came to the Lakers Mm -hmm. and I would guess Chet is ahead of where Pau Gasol was defensively at this stage in their careers. Yeah. I don't know entire. I'm not entirely sure. I can't just being honest, but I don't hate that. I don't hate that to me. Like maybe some of that, I think that there's, I think there's a little bit of Chris Porzingis there. Um, Porzingis just never turned into what people thought he could be. Well, I, and this know? is, and I will get into my concerns with Chet that it's like, what happened to Porzingis is that he got hurt a lot. Right. Right. I think that has limited him more than anything is he's just been injured. And the result of that is he wasn't able to, um, he wasn't able to become, I think what he could have been had he stayed healthy all that time. Now there's some other things with Chris Stapps. Um, I do think, um, you know, there's, <laughs> I think there was a criticism floating around him, especially late in his Mavs tenure that he kind of just played like a shooting guard. Um, yeah. Which is, um, you know, limiting what you can be if you're seven foot three and you just stand right. on the perimeter and wait for the ball to come to you. Yeah. Well, and the thing with, there's a couple things with Porzingis. There was the injuries, obviously, that caused it. They were an issue. But the man started his career with the New York Knicks. That's not good for anybody. Correct. Literally nobody is going to, like, I mean, not nobody. But the difficulty of reaching your potential as a rookie starting out with the New York Knicks is really, really difficult. And so that didn't help. Um, and then he got traded to play with Luca. And that just didn't, the two didn't mesh very well. Um, to me, Chet starting his career in Oklahoma City, where he's going to have the ability to work through a bunch of things that young players have to work through without New York criticism, um, that's huge. He's going to be playing for a franchise that genuinely cares about development of every player on the roster, yeah. which is definitely not the case in the Knicks at, in New York. And he's just a different personality, man. Porzingis, even when Porzingis was coming into the league, everybody knew that like that dude felt like he was a superstar. And like that, that can work for a lot of guys. And and it does work for a lot of guys, but I don't get that sense from Chet. I think Chet is a guy that he knows he can be that, but he also is like, he kind of knows he hasn't done anything yet. And he has to, he has to get to that point. Um, so I, I have a lot more, you know, health aside. I, I have no idea. As far as I know, Chet's been healthy throughout his career, yeah. which is a good sign. You know, absolutely. You don't want a guy that's, that looks like that, that's had, you know, multiple knee injuries or something, foot injuries, especially, um, at, up until this point. So if, if he can stay healthy, like, um, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited giddy if you will about what the possibilities Mm -hmm. of of chet holmgren on this team could be yeah here's a i think here's a relevant paragraph from the j kyle man piece um with regards to like projecting what chet will be and i think this gets into like the fact that like 
I mean, statistically, like I said, he's just been unbelievably efficient when like anytime he has played basketball at any level. He, uh, this piece goes, when I ran projections for what I thought his stat profile could be and compared them with what players six foot 11 or taller have done in the past, 35 ish percent shooter from three, a little over a block and two, a little over a block and two or three assists per game. Good, but not outrageous offensive numbers. Names came back that startled me and almost compelled me to throw my laptop into some holy water for fear of being struck by lightning. Um, he goes on to say, even after softening the parameters a bit to six foot 10 or taller, 30% from three, one block, two assists, there are no shoddy players that fit that description. Um, and I think, like, that's a relative, like, Chet averaged like four blocks a game in college. Yeah. Playing mostly power forward. Yeah. Um, Which he would certainly have to play power forward, especially early in his career at times. He's not right. going to be a full-time center as when he gets in the league. It's just not right. going to happen. But it's just like you think about, and this is to me, when I talk about like he's been absurdly efficient, he's been absurdly efficient playing a lot of different kinds of basketball. Like first off yeah. in high school where he was, you know, Chet Holmgren, but in high school, um, and he shot like 80% at the rim (laughs) or like 80% overall. I think, I think his field goal percentage his senior year in high school was like 80%. Um, and then he goes to Gonzaga and is like kind of a supporting character in the Drew Timmy show, um, which is just not a role he is going to be playing in the NBA. But in that you, like you saw him just be absurdly efficient, just, when he got an opportunity to score, he took it and succeeded. And similarly, like just flattened teams on the other end at the rim. Right. Well, and and Chet to me is a guy that if, you know, if he goes to the magic, for example, I, I would have some concerns about that because they don't have the creation ability that the Thunder have. Yeah, Shane. This is true. That to that to me is is really what makes this pick for me is that we have two high level creators on the team that are going to make his life easier and he's going to be able to make their life easier as well. Um, But if he's a guy that you're like you're dumping the ball down to, all right, go go make something up. It's not going to go very well. It wouldn't have gone very well for Evan Mobley this year if that's what they had asked him to do. Yeah. Uh, But he had a guy, he had Darius Garland setting him up. Like he Mm -hmm. had Jarrett Allen that he was playing next to. Like he was playing next to some really talented players. And I think Chet Holmgren would have that luxury in Oklahoma City. Um, And it would, it would make things go really smooth. Um, One more thing I'll, I'll say with Chet is part of my draft analysis. Um, not to say that I am good at this because I don't think I am, but whenever the right people, um, tend to dislike a player, um, I, I think I generally go against those people and kind of come to my conclusion in that way. And in this case, every idiot that I see on Twitter, people that are notoriously stupid, when it comes to evaluating basketball, evaluating sports in general, they don't like Chet. And to me, that screams like, okay, these people are always wrong. They're probably going to be wrong about this guy too. You know, that makes me like Chet even more. Um, and so that, that I can't, I can honestly say that is definitely part of this as well for me 
is that like, man, there's a bunch of idiots that think he's going to suck. So he's probably going to be pretty good. I like that. And I think, yeah, I think your point about the magic is pretty correct. Um, I think the, um, the thunder or even, I don't know about the rocket. Well, he would be fine with the rockets, but I don't know what their timeline is. I don't know what they, what they expect their pick to ultimately be. Right. Yeah. I concern with, I mean, I mean, my concern with the rockets is like, you know, they, it feels like they have a lot of issues becoming a coherent offense. Yeah. Um, they're, they're weird. Like I, to me, it just Paolo screams Houston rocket to me. Like just, I see him in Houston. It just, it makes too much sense to me. Just in the same way that Chet seems like a thunder guy, Paolo seems like a rocket to me. Yeah. And, um, and Jabari seems like a magic guy to me, honestly. Like I, I think it, this, these are the fits that make sense in my brain. And um, if I were going to pair guys with teams, that's how it would go in that, mm-hmm. that top three. But um, obviously the, the magic could blow this whole thing up and take, I think Paolo makes a lot of sense in Orlando because they don't have a primary creator. Um, and I think Paolo has the best chance of being that kind of guy out of yeah. all these players mm-hmm. to me with Paolo, like he, in some ways I feel like he has the highest ceiling in other ways. I, <laughs> I feel like he doesn't, it's, it's very strange. Like, I think it's safe to say he has the highest offensive ceiling of the whole group. Um, like you said, he's, you know, this huge body that has creation, passing, right. all of those abilities. But the goal for him on but defense other... is to just be a passable defender. Whereas like right. Jabari and Chet, we're talking about guys who, if they pan out defensively, are like first team guys. Exactly. Yeah. They, at, you know, like a median outcome for both of those guys is, is a plus defender. Like there's yeah. no doubt. Um so let's talk a little bit about Jabari um, mm-hmm. and because we, we've talked obviously a lot more about the other two, um, but how, how, what are your thoughts with, with Jabari Smith? I guess. So my, my feelings about Jabari Smith is that I would, I, I would like him to be on my basketball team for sure. Um, he doesn't make me as excited as Chet or Paolo just because it's almost too straightforward in terms of like, yeah, he's going to be like a big wing who shoots well and plays great defense. You know, and that's going to make your team just immeasurably better <laughs> in an extremely straightforward way. Um, yeah. I think the interesting things about Chet and Paolo are how they change the Thunder. I think Jabari just sort of makes the Thunder better. It's just like imagine if Darius Baisley was like really good. Um, yeah. And there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, you know, the Thunder was like, I think the worst three point shooting team in the league this year. And Jabari Smith's a 42% three-point shooter. And it's not like he was just taking a bunch of open catch-and-shoot threes. Like, that dude was taking difficult threes, and he was making a high percentage of them. Um, the the biggest thing with, with Jabari is, like, you know, here, here's my concern with him. And, and, and the concern maybe of, of if the Thunder were to pass on taking him if they had mm-hmm. that opportunity. Like, some guys like him get into the league, and they develop. He's super young. He's super young. Yes. I think he's younger than, than the other two. Yes. And if he were to develop a better handle and an ability to get to the rim better, then you're you're starting to think, oh, instead of just being like a borderline all-star, all-star type 
you're looking at a possible superstar at that point. Yeah. Um, but the deal is like, he has to develop that to unlock that aspect of his game because otherwise you're looking at a guy who's going to be dependent on Shea and Giddy to get him good looks or he's going to be taking step back ISO fadeaways. That's pretty much the the extent of his ability right now, which is a it's it's a great skill to have. It would help the Thunder immensely, but like you said, it's not changing the Thunder. You know, it's right. just making them better. Um, so yeah, I I I like Jabari a lot, and to me, I have him behind Chet because it's it's super easy. Like, it's just like, oh, this makes sense. It won't fail. You know, Jabari's not going to fail in the NBA. I feel one, mm-hmm. I feel 98% confident that he's going to be a really good NBA player. Basically, I, the I, only a, thing that could happen, the only way Jabari fails is if his handle never improves and he ends up on a team that just asks him to create a lot of offensive self. Right. Um, but And then he just becomes like an, an inefficient jump shooter guy. But still, right. like... But Jabari Smith on the Oklahoma City Thunder isn't going to fail in that way because they're not going to ask him to do that. So that to me is is why I really like him for the Thunder because it's like you're guaranteeing that you're getting a guy that's going to start for you for the next eight years. Yeah. I guess another way of putting it is that like the failed version of Jabari Smith is kind of like what Jason Tatum's haters think he is. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. Which is still, uh, you know, me, still actually a very good basketball player, right? Yeah, yeah. To me, like, I, I like them both, man. I, I, because, like I said, it, it really comes down to how I feel about Gideon Shea, and I think that those two are good enough for me to want to make life easier on them. Um, so that's why I look at at guys like Chet and and Jabari over a guy like Paolo who would just add more creation ability to a team that already has, I think a lot of it mm-hmm. um, or enough. You can't, you can't have too much, but I think that there's enough for them to be able to build a successful offense um, that would operate well in the playoffs even. Yeah. Um, so that that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, one of the things too, with Chet that I know you said we aren't going to consider the next draft, but to me with Chet, like there's a very real chance that he's not even remotely a helpful player next year because That's he's true. just not physically a lot of times guys like that that aren't very strong, they don't shoot very well early in their career. Yeah. You know? And this if was he's even not shooting something well then Oh sorry. Yeah, go but, ahead. Like this is even something you saw with Giddy this season. You know. Yeah. The the NBA season is very long. Like there's not another basketball league that, I mean, guys in Europe who are playing in two league, who are playing like in a domestic and the Euro league probably come close, but there's not right. another league that plays 82 games. No. Um, and so like that absolutely wears on young players, especially young players lacking in strength who are actually, who are having to put a lot into getting the ball to the rim. Right. Well, because also, I mean, the threes are literally further away. Yeah. You know? And he's taken more of a physical beating down low than he ever has before because he's playing bigger guys. So to me, there's a very real real chance that Chet could come in and shoot like 32% from three and be just like actively not helpful to the offense as a rookie. And that to me is not a bad result because 
if you can get another pretty good lottery pick next year, like that's, mm-hmm. I think that's the best case scenario. Um, yeah. I'm not saying we're going to get Victor Wimbanyama, but if you can add the fifth or sixth pick in next year's draft, which at this point people seem to think is better than this year's draft. Um, yeah. Obviously that always, that always changes, but if it is better than this year's draft, you're getting a good player or you're at least getting a, a guy that projects to fit in with your core group and having those, having another guy like that is it could, it could be the difference in being a contender and, and not being a contender, you know? Yeah. So um, the other thing about this pick is um, I don't know. How do you think the thun- who the thunder end up taking it to informs what they do with 12? Well, I, I honestly don't think that it does. Um, I, you know, to me, it's just, you take the best player available um, mm-hmm. at 12 personally i would be totally down to try to trade up um into because yeah. i think that trading up from 12 is is going to be extremely reasonable this year like some years it's not some but i think this year is one of those years right because and it's the, the other thing about trading up is i mean i know we we literally just talked about how you know maybe chet isn't helpful immediately but like we got our we like, this is the pick this was the point of tanking, you know, we yeah. might get another one, but we probably won't. Um, yeah. And so it's like, now is the time to start turning potential assets into value. Yeah. And, and you know, if, if you feel like there's another guy, like maybe Sam Presti sees a guy that he can get at seven that he thinks is another blue chip prospect, mm-hmm. you know, in addition to Chet, you know, if he, maybe it's a shade and sharp, maybe it's a, an AJ Griffin, Maybe that's what he sees there. And if you can go get that guy, then you have to do it. You know, and um, and maybe he sees that guy at 12 too. I, I don't know. But I the guy, can I tell you the guy that I want the Thunder yeah. to get? It's, I want Jeremy Sohan. Yeah. I, all in, all in on Jeremy Sohan. Especially, I mean, if especially with, a guy like Chet or Jabari because you're adding shooting at that position. Like Sohan's not a good shooter right now. I don't think he's a hopeless shooter prospect. I think he can, he can improve, but like that guy, there's just so much defensive ability. There's so much IQ there. Yeah. I don't see how that guy fails in the NBA. I really don't. Jeremy Sohan, he's, I think in our Twitter chat earlier, you were like, is he just like Scotty Barnes without the insane athletic upside? Um, yeah. I, that might be true. That might be it. Like, I, I mean, he's got that kind of like, he's six foot nine, 230 pounds, not a freakish athlete, but he's a really good lateral athlete. Like he moves mm-hmm. his feet and stays in front of everybody essentially. And offense, he's super long. Like he's got long arms, maybe not Scotty Barnes length, but he's still really long. And I kind of see him as the guy that is going to be able to play the five um, in the NBA, especially in the playoffs in situations like that. And yeah. if you're putting a guy like like him next to Chet, that's I get really excited. Yeah. I get really, really excited about that possibility because Chet gives you can give you that shooting that Sohan maybe doesn't give you. 
And then Sohan could be kind of the center offensively while being this insanely switchable um, lockdown type defender on defense that you really need next to a guy like guys like Josh Giddy and Shea Gilgis Alexander. Like, yeah. like the Thunder have to find guys that can can kind of cover up some of those deficiencies. And I think Sohan is the guy that covers up the deficiencies of Chet and of Shea yeah. and Josh Giddy. Um, Sohan, Chet, like, I just I and Lou is like you're talking about an incredible defensive core at that point. Absolutely. Because you think about it, lose your point of attack guy, like he's an elite point of, the, of attack defender. Shuts mm-hmm. your back line, your weak side rim protection. Um, Sohan's the guy that switches and can do anything right. off the ball. He can and also protect point, the rim. Yeah, and at that point, you're just like asking Shea and Giddy to not fall asleep and be big, which they are. Yeah, like Josh Giddy's 6'9". He can be a good defensive player. Um, and I, I honestly think that he will become a pretty good defensive player. I think the Thunder emphasized defense too much for him not to yeah. at least be serviceable in that regard. And I think the more good players you put around Shea, the better he's going to defend. Yeah, like, I, I really believe agree. that. I think we saw that his first season, his rookie season, which was by far his best yeah. defensive season. Right. You know, he, he was in a position where he had to defend and it was important. Mm-hmm. And he did. He's not incapable of it. It's just like right now, he's the only guy that can get a shot off for the Thunder. So yeah, he relaxes on defense. You know, I don't. That's I don't blame him. That's fine. Um, so that that to me is like, huh? You're, you're working with something interesting at that point. Um, if you get a guy like like Sohan and 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 Chet Holmgren, but even if you if you draft Jabari Smith. You know, I think Sohan's great because then that could be your like three, four combination, mm-hmm. you know? And then if you want to go small, then Jabari and, and Sohan can be your four five like that. That's totally workable. Yeah. You know, like I, I don't see any issues there. Um, next to Paolo, it's, it's not as good of a fit, but I don't think that it would be a reason to not pick Sohan. Right. I still like him. I still like him enough to want him over basically anybody else and that could be in that range. And if you have to trade up to seven, eight, nine, go get him. Yeah. Go get I think that that's, guy. I think that's true. Here's the thing about Paolo. Um, I do agree. The fit isn't quite as incredible because Paolo doesn't bring the shooting that either Jabari or Chet necessarily brings yet. Mm-hmm. He could absolutely develop it. Um, mm-hmm. But at that point, you're just fielding such an intelligent basketball team that I, I think yeah. it would end up working. Absolutely. Well, and that's one of the things we didn't mention. Like, I think Chet brings IQ as well. I don't think he lacks in that regard. Yeah, I agree. Especially defensively. Jabari is the least high IQ player offensively out of the whole group. He's just not a great passer. Mm -hmm. He tends to stop the ball. He tends to get the ball and think. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, so that might not be the idea the most ideal fit for what the thunder have seemingly kind of want to wanted to build from like a, you know, they want every guy to get the ball and they're either driving or they're passing it immediately. That's kind of seemingly the goal of what they're mm-hmm. doing. So maybe Jabari doesn't fit that ideally, but I think Chet does. I think he's a guy you get him 
you know, you put him out there behind the three-point line, and he's going to make quick decisions with the ball. And, you know, one of the things I keep thinking about is we don't we don't have Luka. Luka's incredible. But what the Mavericks have built is, like, they play five out all the time, and things are just wide open for guys to drive. Um, and Jalen Brunson looks like a freaking all-star because there's just – there's driving lanes everywhere. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie is able to have great games because he can drive. Yeah. Because um, you, you essentially just have to beat one man, and then it's like the defense is rotating from the three-point line. That's a lot of space they have to cover. And then you just hit an open shooter at that point, you know? Yeah. So I, I, I think a guy like Chet or Jabari – really open that open that door pretty significantly yeah um all, another great thing about jeremy sohan is um his <laughs> his background is super interesting to me yeah you know he was born he in like the polish national team <laughs> he was born in gaiman oklahoma it's incredible born it's in gaiman grew up in england um is polish american yep I love place for the Polish national team. It's amazing. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I, that's, that's my guy. Like I, I really liked Scotty Barnes last year and, you know, there was that point where we thought he was going to have to be the guy that we took at six um, and he wound up moving up to four and we all saw how that worked out. Yeah. And he's, pr- he's pretty freaky. I'm not saying he's going to be that good, but if you can get a guy that's 75% of that, you're looking pretty good. Like you, you take that, I believe. Um, are there any other guys at 12 that you're, you're kind of in on at this point? Uh, yeah. That you might want them to, to trade up for. Um, in terms of trading up. Um, I mean, there's so many, que- going to be so many questions surrounding shade and sharp. Um, yeah. If he's available and you can trade up for shade and sharp, I think you do that instantly. Um, but a lot of that is going to depend on how people feel about him after he goes through private workouts because he just didn't play basketball this year. Um, yeah, that's something I've you know we've seen with like um, with Baisley that that's not something Presty uh, yeah. is too worried about if he thinks he's got the right guy. Um, right. And you know there are people who talk about Shade Sharp as in like if he had put in if he had put film out like playing basketball for Kentucky we would be talking about him as a potential number one pick. Um, right. So that's cool. Um, I feel like he's, he, he's kind of, um, I also want to say this because if it, I feel like people are not going to quite understand what I mean by it, but there's a Josh Primo aspect to like, this is like a value pick in terms. Oh, um, this is like a value pick in terms of like, he um, it's almost like you're getting him a year early. Um, right. And like, had he waited, maybe he would be number one next year. He wouldn't have been because Victor Wimbanyama's in the draft, but you know, he would have been a guy in the top two or three next year. Um, so that's one guy. Um, I don't love the idea of trading up for Jalen Duran, but he's a guy who, if he falls, I would be totally okay with that. Um, Mm -hmm. And the one other guy I want to, the one other guy I find interesting in this sort of range, um, who you probably wouldn't have to, have to even trade up for, is Usman Jang, um, who I think a lot of people gave up on at the start of the NBL season and are now like checking back in and discovering that he actually had a pretty good second half of his season. 
which is not too yeah. dissimilar to Josh Giddy. Um, he's a, I mean, he's kind of a, in some ways he's similar to Sohan. He's not the defensive player Sohan is, but he is like an intelligent defender, I think, um, who is, I think a lot of people think of him as a high upside pick. He's another very young player, six, nine, seven foot wingspan, um, who like legitimately played in sort of a guard role in the NBL at that size. Like again, very similar to Josh Giddy. Um, I think yeah. he, he's the sort of guy you pick if you say like, look, there is not, and there's like no limit on the degree to which like oversized playmaking helps a team and he can maybe shoot it. He's where he's getting there is I like his form more than I like his numbers. I'll say that. Don't look at his numbers. They're not good. Right. Um, yeah. I'll just kind of jump in with, with some shade, with my shade and sharp thoughts, yeah. because I think he's, He's easily the most interesting guy because we just don't know what he is. Um, I, to me, it all comes down to personality and interviewing. Yeah. Like if you feel like he has the mentality, because you know, if you're coming to the Thunder, I don't think that you can just be like, "I'm going to be option A." You know, like I, That's, a guy yeah. like like. You don't want to throw a guy like with the personality of a Jalen Green in with Josh Giddy and Shea mm-hmm. because those guys are already established. And so if, if Shaden Sharp isn't going to fit in personality-wise with those guys, then it concerns me um, because he might be talented enough, but you might just not ever get a fully bought-in version of him. If his personality yeah. checks out and um, he's like – yeah, I just want to fit in and come play. Like, yeah, go draft him. Absolutely go draft him because he has, he has number one overall upside. Like there's, there's, I don't think there's any doubt because he's a guy that could be a 20 point per game score. I could see that pretty easily. Um, And then, you know, earlier we were talking about, you know, you have the, with Paolo, you're adding more playmaking scoring to a team that already has those guys or you can draft guys that can help. And if you could do both of those things, mm-hmm. I think that's that's pretty much the home run of yeah. the situation. And if if Shaden Sharp can essentially replace what Lou Dort is, like in the starting lineup, and I mean, then you're talking okay, you're you're cooking because you've got you know, you've got Shea as your one, Sharp as your two, Giddy's your three you know, find some person to play the four, I don't care, and then Chet at the five. Like, that's that's some ridiculous talent if it works. Yeah. Um, the, the, the one thing about this is where it would get really weird is uh, Paolo and then taking on Shaden Sharp. Like, that becomes very strange because at that point, I don't, like, the other, but the thing about that is, like, I also kind of like how weird that is. It gets positionally yeah. very nebulous for a guy like Giddy, because that's the before we had two and we were thinking of you know you know re, thinking realistically right preparing ourselves to draft in the four five six. The thing about drafting Shaden Sharp that I liked was you just say oh, okay like Josh Giddy will become a four and that will be his role on the team is he will play power forward which is what he's sized for and what he'll ultimately grow into I think um, yeah but now like. You're looking at drafting Chet and just saying, like, yeah, we're going to be a giant team made of monster people. Um, 
And so that's 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 one thing about the shade and sharp pick is it becomes it becomes interesting. Um, and I guess you sort of already have that with Lou in the starting lineup, right? And so I do think like slotting in sharp if like and I agree with you about um, fit like mentality of fit um, that it would be really important there because there's already you know <clears throat> and I don't like I don't think this is a big deal but there was already like some discussion during the season um, like really just before Josh got shut down for the season of like how does Shea feel about the idea of Josh being like the primary ball handler on the team and he's like what well, and I think the quote was something like well this wasn't really it, like this wasn't plan a or something like that right. um and it's like you know i i get um because there's a degree to which i think shay has expressed that he feels like he's a number one primary ball handler guy um yeah um well but at the same time here, he's here's something can i on, he's been on successful teams where he's been with other like definitive primary ball handlers so i'm not worried about that but yeah let me let me throw something out yeah Hit me. You draft Shaden Sharp, and he is what you think he is in terms of creation ability. Um, and it's taking too much away from Shay, and he's not happy about it. You know what you do? You're going to say it, and people you are going to get upset. You just trade Shay. It's not <laughs> hard. That's what you do. If you have a guy in Shaden Sharp that is already good enough to, like, take some of that role away from shade to the extent where he's upset about it. Then you get rid of the guy that's upset and older. It's not hard because Shay also, or shade and sharp also has a higher defensive upside than Shay. Like then you just go with like shade and sharp, Josh Giddy, Lou Dort, Chet. It's not hard, you know? Um, but I'm not, I'm not worried about that. I, that's no, just, I'm not worried that's, about that that's either. That's where I'm at. It's it's funny that you bring that up though because God, God, if you said that on the Thunder Reddit, people lose their goddamn minds. People are already so. Kevin O'Connor did his like talk through podcast of his big board post lottery, and he offhandedly mentions trading Shay. And I just know like people are gonna like Thunder fans are gonna go nuts in the comments about that. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely yeah like. I think that's a that's a totally valid point. It's like if Shaden Sharp is good right. enough that he's taking touches away from Shea and like to the point that Shea is upset about it, that's a good problem to have. Yeah. You got younger, your upside's better. If you trade Shea, like you're gonna get a lot. Mm -hmm. You're gonna get a lot for it. It's gonna be great, you know? So that's that's where I stand on that. Like to me, I like Shea. I don't want to trade him, um, which in a lot of ways is a departure from what I've, how I've felt before. Um, so he's definitely grown on me and I like him a lot, but yeah, I mean, if there's some issues and he's not happy with, with Giddy or, you know, Shaden Sharp, then just, yeah, he doesn't have to be here. It's fine. You know, but um, anyways, like that's, that's my Shaden Sharp. You said you talked about Jalen Duran. I just, I don't want to draft a center that high. I don't even care. Yeah, I, I, I feel that. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, I mean, I guess Chet is a center, but he's like, he's not really it's not a the center. Same. It's not the same. Yeah. Like, that's like, Chet's that's like getting center. mad about, that would be getting mad about drafting Evan Mobley last year. Right. Exactly. And Jalen Duran is like the traditional pick and roll five that I just, I don't value it. You know, I like Jalen Duran. I think he's going to be a good player, 
I don't want to draft him. I don't want to draft Mark Williams. I don't want to draft Walker Kessler at any point. You know, I would rather have a team that's weird and like playing Jeremy Sohan at the five, like <laughs> primarily like that. I would much prefer a team like that than, than have a guy like Jalen Duran trying to play next to Chet. Like he's going to clog up the paint. It's just that's that's not what Shea and, and Josh Giddy need, in my opinion. So, yeah. um, and then I I'm intrigued by Usman Jang. I really am. Um, I part of me would think that twelve is is a is a reach for him, but not probably not. Um, you know, it's a it's a weird range. Um, I don't know exactly like because I don't know. Maybe you. The other thing you can do with 12 is that if you don't like what's left of the tier you're in, you can trade back. Um, right. Which is also like, it's also possible. Maybe Jeremy Sohan is like, he flies up people's boards. Got a guy like Dyson Daniels flies up people's boards. Um, yeah. And you're left with like Benny Matherin. Who I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, he's fine. I mean, I, I, I don't really want him on the thunder to be honest mm-hmm. i'd rather have aj griffin than him um you know because I've, I've been thinking about like what if the thunder on draft night wound up with uh jabari smith and aj griffin like then your shooting problems are just like solved yeah you know like that'd be kind of wild to have like a team that's like oh you have like two plus shooters at the three and the four like that'd be pretty sweet um so that that's been kind of something on my mind. And AJ Griffin is a guy that I I would rate him over a guy like Usman Jang. Usmani Jang. Like I would trade up for AJ Griffin. Um mm. I I think it'd be worth giving up assets for to go up and go up and get him. Here's a trade idea I've been I've been throwing around in my brain. Um and it's with Portland at seven. There's been a lot and, of talk about Portland at seven. So let's hear it. Yeah. And, and my, I don't know what is available to Portland, you know, trade for seven, but I've heard a lot of talk about they want to trade for Jeremy Grant, which if Jeremy Grant's going to solve your problems, then, you know, that's, that's probably not a great thing. It's kind of, a, it kind of reminds me of when teams, when, when teams were bringing in Jeff Green to solve all of their, their wing scoring problems, that's, that's going to be a losing battle, but the, um, the Damian Lillard Jeremy Grant pairing has like second round ceiling just like stamped on it already. But oh yeah, no doubt about it. But the the thing with me, so I'm not trading seven for Jeremy Grant. There's no way in hell. That's a stupid trade. Yeah. Um, but I might trade 12 for Jeremy Grant. And so my question for you is would you be willing to trade 12? Lou Dort and let's say maybe a, a maybe 34 um, for seven in which then the the Blazers would have Lou Dort who I think would fit great next to Damian Lillard I mean I don't think there's any doubt about that and then they could trade 12 for Jeremy Grant and so the then Portland is adding two like high level role players that defend um on a team that desperately needs that yeah um what would you what would you say about that would you be are you not willing to give up dort for just moving up five spots or what would you say if it was let's say to move up i'm not gonna say to move up to get shade and sharp but if if you're moving up to get jeremy sohan 
I think it depends on lo- a lot on who you're moving up to get. Um, and I don't know. I don't know if so, if I would trade Dort in that situation for Sohan. Um, yeah. The um, yeah. I just uh, I don't. I I mean, Lou Dort as it's tricky and it's also difficult to um, evaluating. This is interesting because <laughs> the other aspect of Lou Dort is like is I don't know how much this should play into it and how much this will play into, into the thunder, maybe more, maybe less than people think it would, but he's like legitimately Shay's best friend. Um, like I think having Lou Dort on the team is part of keeping Shay happy. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not like he's a bad player that you're doing that for, right? He's an incredible point of attack defender. Um, and a guy who is an inconsistent, but like, not unbelievably compromised three-point shooter. Um, yeah. So I don't know if I would do it for Sohan. I might do it for Shaden Sharp. Um, yeah, I, I would do it for Shaden Sharp. Yeah, uh, I would definitely. Uh, if Shaden Sharp fell to seven and that was on the table, I would do it absolutely. Um, yeah. And Shay can have a new Canadian best friend. Um, right, right. But yeah, I yeah, I think that's where I fall. I think. I, I do think like Lou is just like he's a he's a good proven commodity at this point, and especially if we'd be giving up another pick in this, I don't know about that. Yeah, and, and again, I'm not. I I'm talking like a second. I'm I mean I've heard right. people say like oh Lou and then another future first. I'm like nah, nah no, it's too much. Um, just to move up five, um, I might do it for Shaden Sharp, but uh, yeah, for for Sohan, I like him. A lot, but I'm not doing that for him. Um, yeah, that's 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 just one of those trades that I, I just think it's easy. It makes sense to me. Like if if Portland, I mean Portland, I don't think is going to want to take a guy at seven because, yeah, they want to be good next year. They have Damian Lillard on their basketball team, you know, and you're not getting a guy at seven that's going to help. Um, and so yeah, if you could trade those guys and get you know, then you're what you're coming into next year with Lou Dort and Jeremy Grant filling out major holes on your roster. I think that's that's a solid team that's probably making the playoffs or you know it's in the play-in range mm-hmm. for sure. Um, so, yeah. would you, you take if you're the Blazers? Would you take that trade? Uh, but it's Trey Mann instead of Lou Dort. I wouldn't if I were Portland. I would want specifically Lou Dort because of the defense. They already mm-hmm. have Anthony Simons. That's true. Um, who is, a, you know, kind of similar to Trey Mann. Um, and the thing with Trey Mann is that he largely sucks. Um, <laughs> I like him. I like him, and I think that he has a he has potential. Like there's there's a there's something there, but dude, his numbers are just putrid. Like mm-hmm. he's a bad NBA player at this point, and. If Portland's trading that pick, they they need guys that are going to help them this year. You know, um, what if what if it required throwing in Kenrich instead of a future first or a future a second even? So this would be Lou Dort, Kenrich, and twelve for seven. Yeah, absolutely not. Absolutely not. No. Okay, I th- I mean I'm just curious. Like I I think Kenrich is like a late first value. 
I think Lou is probably around like a late lottery value. I think that's too much to move up five spots. Yeah. Especially in a, in a fairly flat area where the guy at 12 and seven is, is probably not extremely different, but so, yeah, I honestly, I think, I think Shaden Sharp's not going to be there at seven. So yeah, um, I think, I think, I think think if Shaden Sharp is the kind of player we think he, Hope is going like if he's the kind of player worth making this trade for, he won't be there at seven. Right. But yeah, I mean, so he's inter- I mean, he's he's extremely interesting. Um, can I just throw in a couple of this is for other teams, like yeah. just fits for guys that I just think are, are just too perfect. Yeah. Can I start? Yeah, please. The Pacers are drafting Keegan Murray. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only way it doesn't happen is if he's already gone. Um, which ESPN has him going to the Kings at four, which I think is wild. Wild, yeah. I would like it because one of my one of my favorite fits is Jaden Ivey in Detroit. Ooh, that um, would be fun. Like a like a yeah a more direct attack next to Cade. Exactly, because Cade is like your primary creator, but he's also six eight, so you can put whoever you want next to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and they need athleticism and a guy that can put pressure on the rim because that's not really what Kate can do. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a, an incredible fit. I would love to see Jaden Ivey in Detroit with Cade. Um, I already mentioned that I want to see Powell. I think Powell in Houston is perfect. Um, another one, like you said, Keegan Murray is a pacer. Like even if he doesn't play for the pacer, he's still a pacer. Yeah, and it will, will always happen. be a pacer. It'll happen at some point. They'll trade for him. Um, let's see who else in my mind, Portland, there's nobody, um, honestly, maybe, maybe that's it. Where, like, assuming the Thunder don't get Shaden Sharp, where do you want him to wind up? I, I just am dreading the idea. Like, I just hope the Kings don't take him because I want him to have a chance. Yeah. This is the thing. So this is the thing about this draft range, um, is, you know, we say we don't think Shaden Sharp would fall to seven, but all that has to happen for that to happen is for the Piston or for the Kings to like Jalen Duran, and then it will yeah. happen. Yeah. Um, and it, and it doesn't even really have to be Jalen Duran. I mean, they could like right. Dyson Daniels. I mean, they could like they could like Keegan Murray, and then Detroit would like. I think Detroit would draft Jaden Ivey if he's available. And then if Indiana, like they might really like AJ Griffin or something, you know, right. like, oh, he's a guy that's going to slide in and shoot for us immediately. Like they're always looking for immediate help. So I could see that being the case. So it's not impossible. Like definitely not that Shaden Sharp can be there at seven. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it's, it's a shame. Um, I don't know where a good landing spot is for him other than I would, I would kind of like him on the Pistons. Um, I think yeah. that gives them a different flavor than going with Ivy, but it's kind of similar. Um, yeah, agreed. Uh, but I, I also agree that they that the Pistons would probably take Ivy in that situation. And leaving that, like, I don't love him on the Pacers. Um, though, actually, yeah, I, actually, I, I say that, that uh, Tyrese Halliburton, Shaden Sharp could be a fun backcourt. I just don't like the Pacers. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah, I just don't want the Pacers to have a guy like that, to be honest. Um, um, who who was the most obvious spur in this group? Ooh, guys? that's an interesting question. 
Um, I think it might be Jeremy Sohan. He seems like a spur to me. Yeah. Yeah. He really does. Mm-hmm. I could see them taking him. I could also see the Spurs liking Jalen Durant. And because they've kind of gotten into drafting super young, high upside guys. And yeah. They might they might think he's yeah. that kind of guy. In like five years, the Josh Primo, Jalen Durant uh pick and roll pairing is gonna be very good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be that'd be really interesting. But um uh, to me, Ochai Abaji just screams Charlotte Hornet to me. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they just, they always just want guys that are going to come in and play immediately, even though it's stupid. Um, that mm-hmm. just screams Charlotte Horn. And yeah. they're, they're probably going to draft Mark Williams. If they don't draft Mark Williams, I'll be thoroughly convinced that it's because he went to Duke um, and not because of what he is as a basketball player. It'll just yeah. be because Jordan won't draft a Duke guy. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I went up and down and I'm now very down on this player, but the Nuggets are taking Jokic at 21. Oh, and they have to. I yeah. mean, you have to have Jokic and Jovic together. Mm-hmm. Like it has to happen. Yeah. Absolutely has to happen. Yeah. Any uh any thoughts on on any guys at 30 that you have some interest Ooh. in? Uh it's hard to say. You know, for the longest time, I was like, you know, 30, we'll just pencil in. We'll just steal, we'll just sneak in and grab um, Yannick and Sosa. But Yannick and Sosa is a bad basketball player and he should not be drafted. (laughs) (laughs) I thought he was going to be good and then he wasn't. He was very, he's very bad. Um, I, I say that. He's like, I think people still like his defense, but I just, I watch like maybe like 15 minutes of just literally just every possession uh, of him in a game. And he just Mm -hmm. can't put the basketball through that neat little hole. Um, (laughs) He's They've got him at 56 on the SPN. So he's, he's fallen. He's fallen fast. I just can't, um, just can't do that, which is an important thing. And it's funny because it feels, because it's, in these clips, it was almost he has a really good sense of space as a role man. Um, it's it's impressive to watch, but it's like harmful for his team because then he gets the ball. <laughs> yeah, that's that, um, that and he just like, I just, I just at all. can't like would kind of looks like he would embarrass himself in a layup line. Uh, <laughs> Man, I did not expect this to just be this. What is his name again? In Sosa, which NBA draft room still calls him the number the number three international prospect in the world right now. Wow, Um, um, which is I find very odd because Jovic is ahead of him, and I, I, I like at this point, I just maybe I don't understand what an international prospect is. Is Usman Jang not an international prospect? Maybe they just haven't updated this. I, I think that's probably what it is. Okay. Let me throw out a couple names. I really like Jalen Williams from Santa Clara. Um, he's like a six-six guard that has like a seven-two wingspan. Sure. He shot fifty-one percent, forty percent from three, eighty percent from the free throw line. He averaged four assists a game at Santa Clara. Like that guy just screams good basketball player to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he's overly athletic, but. You know, you can't, you're not, if he were, he would be a lottery pick. So that's, that's why he's down there. But, um, so that's a guy that I really like at, as a late first round pick. Um, and then, man, 
Pat Baldwin is still like I that, that is a poisoned chalice of a man. Like he's still kind of interesting, right? Like <laughs> he can't he's supposed to be a top ten pick. He can't jump two feet in the air. Yeah, but like if he's six nine and can shoot, it doesn't really matter, does can it? Can he shoot? I think he can shoot. I okay. I mean I he he obviously didn't shoot this year. Um but he was such a good shooter projected out of high school like it if it okay i will say like this if can. we draft pbj at 30 it means yeah that in workouts he impressed and in that case i would be exactly fine, i think because you like no one will no one is touching him right now if he doesn't massively blow them away in workouts yeah i just i think he might be worth like a a swing you yeah. know, he's a, he, if he's a six, nine guy that can shoot the thunder could use that. There's no, yeah. there's no doubt about that. How would you feel about a big guy at 30? Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't draft big guys <laughs> at all. No, nope. Not at 30. What about at 34? No, those guys like to me, I I'd be willing to, you know, like you're drafting big guys early if they're like legit, but the further you go down, like they're just, they're never, they never turn out to be anything, you know? Yeah. Like I, I see draft what you wings. Mean by that. Yeah. Draft wings. You might find a guy that you're like, Oh, sh- Oh shit. Grant Williams. You're playing him in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, like you might, you might stumble into something like that, you know, late later to me later in the draft, the more wing heavy I go, I might like consider like backup point guard or something later in the draft, because I still kind of think we need one of those. Um, but I don't really think there's anybody in this draft that really yeah. screams point guard in that I, range, especially. Yeah. I guess my other prediction here is I don't think we draft at 30 and 34. Yeah. I mean, it could be a situation, you know, there's a guy at 26. We want to get up. I mean, that, that makes yeah. sense to me. Yeah. At the very least, um, like, I don't even, like, I don't even know what he's going to do, but like this, these are picks that Sam moves around on. Like, almost reflexively yeah. like last year when he moved up for yeah. uh, JRE. That was still, what a weird thing. Who was, who did he have to, who did he have to jump to get him? I think it was, it was Dallas. I think. Okay. There was a lot of weird stuff. Cause I remember last year, like Memphis made a trade into the late first round or maybe very, very early second to get Santi Aldama because they thought oh, the Thunder that. were going to take him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they and were you like, "Oh, the Thunder are going to take that guy." You would have. Um, I, I think you were in Texas at the time, but I think you would have walked to the Paycom Center for an explanation. <laughs> hey, man, I, you know, I, I, I may have said some regretful things after last draft. I, I might, I might need to be a little more level-headed, a little more trusting, because I, I mean, every guy they drafted. You know, they showed some stuff that it's like, oh, they were, yeah, they were probably the right pick, huh? Mm-hmm. You know, like even JRE, who I hated at the time, Trey Mann, like they all showed some stuff in their their rookie years that make me think, okay, that's there's something. And then obviously, I'm I'm a huge. I think Giddy might be my favorite player on the team at this point. So yeah. Um, I, yeah. I just probably need to to sit down and shut up when it when it comes <laughs> to this stuff. <laughs> just be like, oh, Sam Presti drafted this guy. Cool, great, sounds great. You know, that might be my analysis this year. It's going to be great. Yeah, oh, we drafted be... Jalen Duran. Oh, we traded up to six to draft Jalen Duran. Awesome. <laughs> Looks great. We're coming out with, with uh, 
Kyle Bencaro and Jalen Duran. Awesome. Yep. Hey, that's what I would have done. I mean, listen, imagine if I told you that was what we were doing in 2021. Oh, you would have assumed that we had picked number one and two and drafted Jalen Duran with one. Right. No, I would have been hyped up, man. That would have been, it would have been awesome. Okay. Real quick. Have you seen, like, I mean, speaking of Jalen Duran, did you see how bad Imani Bates was this year? Um, like, I, um, I didn't watch, but, um, I know but that just he is his numbers. Not good. No, he's, he's, he's bad, like actively harmful. He wound up transferring. I don't even know where he wound up. Um, but I mean, he averaged 9.7 points a game. He shot 38% from the field, 32% from three, 64% from the free throw line. Like this guy was supposed to be, he was billed as the next Kevin Durant like two yeah. years ago. I mean, it was just, it's NBA unfortunate because um, he's just a guy who was, um, by the way, it looks like uh, maybe Louisville for the Monty okay. Bates. Uh, so not going sure far. Fix everything for him. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, it really does. Um, it seems like Amani Bates is sort of the, um, like a prototypical warning of like, hey, just because a guy got tall early. Well, right. And he was he was ahead of the game from a skill standpoint. You know, right. like 15, 16-year-olds are not supposed to be as skilled as he was. But what people don't consider is that, like, some guys just don't get better from that point. And everybody yeah. else catches up to him. And then he's like, oh, he just looks like a normal player. You know? So, yeah, no, that's, that's just one of those things where it's like, man, you cannot – you can't plan ahead you know, two or three years in advance, you know, mm-hmm. you have to, to see how it shakes out because like Jalen Duran was supposed to be like the number two pick in the 2023 draft behind Amani Bates. Like that was what it was supposed to be. You know, we didn't even know who Victor Wimanyama was whenever yeah. Imani Bates was like, and look, by the time KD we get figure. to 2023, Victor Wimanyama is going to be seven foot eight and he's going to have to medically retire. Sure. Um, that's yeah, because I think he's like seven. He's seven four now. I don't he, even know if that's true anymore. I saw a picture today either. of him next to a guy listed at seven five and shoulders and he above was like, him. Yeah, yeah, he's it's insane. But we'll 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 just see how that how that turns out. But um, anything else you want to say? Um, I think we we've talked for a long time. So as is tradition. Oh, uh, I don't really know. I don't really know what else to say. I do think we've, we've been pretty thorough um, to our credit, yeah. obviously. Um, other than just the fact that like, I will not be sad on draft night. I don't think, I do not think there will be a result that will upset me. Um, because even if something unexpected yeah. happens, I, I feel like I trust Sam at this point. Right. And, and I was thinking about this, even if Sam, like, just goes off the reservation and drafts Shaden Sharp at two. That'll almost be like super exciting because it's like, oh, he knows something that we don't mm-hmm. about this guy. Right. You know? And, and it's it would be sort of a confirmation of like because like in like December, everyone's like, hey, this draft kind of stinks. Like, you know, it was a like yeah. I think there was um I don't know how you feel about um resident uh josh giddy stan uh ben pfeiffer 
Um, but he's very low on Jabari. And I remember like, he was like, if you have the number one pick and you're thinking about drafting Jabari Smith, maybe trade back. Um, yeah. it's like, if that's the, if that's how people feel about this draft and that guy like Shaden Sharp, who's a complete unknown gets drafted by Sam Presti at two, you're like, Oh, well, we learned something then. Yeah. Yeah. My, I, 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 I like Ben Pfeiffer just because he was right about Josh Giddy. Right. That's really I, 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 do, I do think of... he gets his, his takes get pretty extravagant. Um, yes, they do. They do. Like he was a real, he was uh, really big about Roko Prakanich or is that, well, that isn't it? Prakachin. Roko Prakachin. Yeah. He was a huge Roko Prakachin head. Roko Prakachin is not even in this draft. Oh, um, I, I had totally forgotten about that guy. Is he just not good enough to play? He's, he's, he was drafted? injured all year. He'll be in the 2023 oh, okay. draft probably. Um, but okay. at that point, he'll okay. be like 22. I don't know. Right, right. Yeah, I remember him being really high on the uh, the little guard from Auburn. Oh, I was just like you can't drive. I yeah. forgot his name. Uh, Sharif Cooper. Mm-hmm. Sharif Cooper, and I was like, no, nah, that guy. There's no way can't. And he, and he went like mid second round. So yeah. it, it, like the NBA agreed. Yeah, but yeah. What the hell happened, Sharif Cooper? He oh, he's on the Hawks, and he's he's doing he two stuff with like the Hawks. all year. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Cool. Anything else? I think that about covers it. We got in some Sharif Cooper hate at the end there. Good. Good for us. Um, the um, That's about it. What draft is June 23rd? Yep. Also my birthday. So that'll be fun. You'll get a good present from Presty. That'll be great. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this special edition of the Oklahoma Drill. Subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, etc. Follow us on Twitter at RWMaxi and at Perd underscore Happily. Uh, and we'll see you later, maybe before the draft, but we're not making any promises. We're not, we're not a podcast that makes promises anymore. Um, you know, we also, I guess we should talk about football at some point. The spring game did happen. That was not enlightening, but it was a spring game. It was cool how many people were I mean, there. a lot of a lot of people showed up. Uh, that, yeah. was, that was the highlight. That was cool. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that at some point, surely. Um, but that that's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, thanks for listening.